As you hopefully know by now, we've been talking about the victory we have in Christ. Since we have victory in Christ, we can be steadfast, right? We can be unmovable. Our labor in the Lord is not in vain. All these things. Because Christ has won the victory. In the first three nights I was with you, we talked about that. We talked about how Christ won the victory. It took three nights because, man, sin is such a big problem. And maybe some of the things I was talking to you about, like the curse and about righteousness, you're just confused about it. Like maybe you just don't understand fully what these words mean. And you might be thinking, why is this guy talking about these big words? I'm just a kid. But here's the reality. Sin, sin is a big problem. It's a complex problem. It's a hard problem. It's a complicated problem to understand. And so we need a very complex solution. And Jesus has provided that solution in his victory on the cross. Jesus Christ, perfect. He fulfills every command and he receives the blessing from God. And we have broken almost every command and we receive the curse from God, but God switches places with us if we believe in him, right? Jesus says, you come take my blessing and I'm going to come take your curse. And that is how we can have victory in Christ. That's how we can have victory in Christ. And then last night, we looked at a character named Peter. We looked at how Peter was this rough disciple who always blurted things out. Sometimes he was right, sometimes he was wrong. But then when the moment of truth came and it was time for him to stand with the Lord, he ran away. And then later on, he denied Jesus three times. And yet we saw, once he saw the resurrected Lord and he he participated in Jesus' victory over sin and death, it changed him. It changed him and it can change us. So now we're going to learn about a new character. His name is Paul. Or Saul, that's right. His name is the Apostle Paul. He's first introduced to us as a man named Saul. And the Apostle Paul, if, if, you, if you see him at the beginning of the story, right? How many of you, you watch a movie, right? And they introduce a character, and you're like, that guy's a bad guy. I know it. I can tell right away. That guy is going to be the villain the entire, the entire movie. That's what it would look like if we wrote a, mo- uh, a movie script on the life of Paul. You'd, you'd see Paul's life. You're like, I know that guy. He's the villain. They're going to have to do something about him. They're going to have to set a trap for him or something and, 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 and knock him off. They're going to have to kill him. Otherwise, he's just going to be plaguing them the whole, the whole time. The good guys. Paul wasn't a good guy, and he'll tell you that himself. But first, let's read our theme verse. 1 Corinthians 57 and 58. What do you think? What do you think, guys? Do you think we can uh, say this verse without the, the words on the screen? All right, Noah, take him off. Here we go. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Well done, everybody. Yeah, you guys are the... the the reference sayers, I like that. You know right where it's at. First Corinthians 57, 15, 57, and 58. It's important to memorize God's word. It's very important to memorize God's word because there's, there's going to be 
so many times in your life where you don't have your Bible with you, you don't have your Bible open, but the Holy Spirit will take words that you've memorized. He's going to use that in your life. So please, please be memorizing your verses. Verses win the week, that's true, but they have, they have such a greater power to them. So be memorizing your verses. All right, what can we learn from the Apostle Paul? What can we learn from the Apostle Paul? Let's, let's take a look at Paul's life. Because Paul is going to go from a bad guy to the hero of the story in a lot of ways. Paul's going to go from someone who is all about himself to someone who is steadfast in Christ, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul wrote that. That's the guy who wrote that right there. And one day he was going to get to the end of his life. He's going to say, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. And now there's a crown of life laid up for me in heaven. Paul became steadfast. But that's not how he started out, is it? No, it's not. See, Paul was what we call a Pharisee. Now, some of you, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this word. If not, that's okay. Let me just boil it down as simple as I can. A Pharisee was someone who was committed to following God's word. They were radical about it. They wanted to, like, and they would even come up like, okay, God says we can't do this, so instead of not doing this, we're, we're just not even going to get close to that. And they'd build up all these things, and they'd, they'd get upset if you'd cross any of their rules. And in the beginning, they started off good with good intentions. But then they just wanted other people to see, see, see how good we are? We're not like the bad, the bad people who break God's laws. We are so righteous. We are so good. And they thought, God will love us if we're good. They thought, we can be righteous, we can be perfect by our actions. We can do good things. We can give to the poor. Right? Jesus, when he's on earth, he's constantly saying, you guys, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't get it. He's like, you people, when you're giving to someone, you blow a loud trumpet, and you're like, hey, everybody, check this out. Everybody, I want you to know, I'm very kind, and I'm going to buy this, this poor boy over here a slushy. I just want you all to know what, what a nice guy I am. God's going to love me because I'm going to buy this poor boy a slushy. He didn't come with any money to camp, right? Would that make me a good person to do that? No. Is God pleased with that? Is God pleased if I'm kind to someone else? Yes, yes he is. God, God wants us to be kind to one another, but is God pleased when we, when we say, I'm going to be righteous because of that? No. Is God pleased when we show off our good deeds? No. No. You know, I was the kid in class who would, the moment a, a question was, was asked, I'd throw my hand up. I know the answer. And I usually did. I usually did. I, I knew the answers. But when I did that, I, I was just mainly concerned that, hey, all my friends, I'm pretty smart, aren't I? Hey, teacher, pretty smart. I got the answer right. How many of you know a kid like that? Huh? How many of you are a kid like that? Yeah, me too. That's kind of what these Pharisees were like. They weren't, they weren't good because they truly loved God. They were, they were trying to act good so that other people would see their goodness. And God was not pleased with that. And Jesus, over and over again when he was on earth, he kept reminding these guys, you're not righteous 
You're not truly righteous. You're dirty and filthy on the inside because your heart's not clean. And that's who Paul was. He was part of this group. In fact, he says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Of all the Pharisees, no one was more Pharisee than me. He was the worst of the worst, but he thought he was the best of the best. Who else was the Apostle Paul? Well, Paul was a persecutor. What does this mean? Paul persecuted the church of God. Oh, by the way, in your books, it'll say Friday evening. You need to turn to the Friday evening session because when we had those books printed, I was supposed to speak tonight. So if you're trying, trying to follow along in your notes, that's, that's where it's at. Paul was a persecutor. That means when he saw people who believed in Jesus, he wanted to arrest them. He wanted to throw them in jail. And for some, he even wanted to kill them. That's how bad this person named Saul or Paul was. Okay? Sometimes I wonder, the Bible doesn't say, but sometimes I wonder, was was Paul in the room when Jesus was put on trial? Was Paul one of the people shouting, crucify him, crucify him? Was Paul one of those people plotting in a back room, say, hey, if we pay this guy Judas 30 pieces of silver, he's going to give us Jesus. Was that Paul? He could have been could have been him. Paying someone to betray Jesus. But then afterwards, okay, I need to to update you on the story, right? So Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's told his disciples, go out, I'm going to give you power, and and you're going to make disciples of everybody. You're going to tell everybody about me and how they can be saved if they believe in me. And so the church goes out and, and the, the other disciples, Peter and John and James and the rest, they go out and start telling people about Jesus. And people are saying, that's awesome, good news. I want to believe in that. And the Pharisees, they thought, man, we took care of this problem. We killed Jesus. Now this problem is over. But then what happens is all these people, after Jesus has gone back to heaven, all these people begin believing in Jesus still. And it's getting even worse for the Pharisees. And the Pharisees say, we got to do something about this. And Paul was like, we got to do something about this. Saul, he says, I'm going to do everything I can to stomp out these Christians. So he goes house to house and he's arresting these people who believe in Jesus. In fact, there's a man named Stephen. Any Stevens here? There we go. There's a Stephen. All right. A couple others. There's a man named Stephen. Okay. He was a godly man and a leader in the church. And he was preaching about Jesus and they arrested him. And when they put him on trial... He just preaches Jesus more. And he makes them upset to the point that they're like, we're going to stone him. What it means to be stoned is you are killed by people taking rocks and throwing them at you until you die. Man, it had to be a horrible way to die. But Paul was the leader of this. Paul was the leader of the people who were going to go kill Stephen. Paul was not a good guy. He was a persecutor of the church. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says this. This is after he's come to know the Lord. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so, the apostle Paul, he he does such a good job in his hometown of Jerusalem, forcing these Christians to be on the run and in hiding. Many of them flee the city. And they go to different places. One of these places they've gone to is Damascus. And he's so passionate. 
He's so passionate about getting these people. He's like, I'm not going to let them escape from me. I'm going to go get them. And so he, he gets authority to go to these places. He takes some soldiers or officers with him, and, and he, he goes on the road to this place called Damascus. And he's going to go get all the Christians there too. And on the road, he sees something. He gets knocked off his horse or his donkey, his beast of burden. Right? He gets knocked to the ground, and he sees this light. And, and, and a voice comes from heaven. And it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul says, who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. And essentially, finally, Paul has gotten the message. He was the enemy of Jesus his entire life, and now he sees the resurrected Jesus come to him. And he says, what do you want from me, Lord? What do you want me to do? And the rest of Paul's life is going to be a picture of him fulfilling that command. Lord, what do you want for me to do? See, most of us, many of us, we come to the Lord, we see the good news, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to go to hell when you die. You can have eternal life with God because Jesus has secured the victory. And we, we hear that and that, that's good news. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go with Jesus. I want to live with Jesus. I want to live in heaven. We hear that and, and, and for many of us, that's what makes us repent and turn to Jesus. But there's another side to that. There's another side to that. There should be a, a point in our lives where we say, I'm so thankful and I see who you are, Jesus. You have risen from the dead. You are king. You are Lord. You are the boss. I'm not the boss. You're the boss. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. What do you want from me? What do you want from me? And Paul's going to spend the rest of his life serving this Jesus. And yet, over and over again, Paul recognized he's still a sinner who sins. I'm still a sinner who sins. I'm still a sinner who sins. And we have to deal with that sin. Paul says he was the chief of sinners, and it was true. It was true. I already told you. He, he had said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle of Jesus because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And what is grace? Grace is simply this. Receiving something you don't deserve. Paul says, I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve for God to love me. You, young person, you don't deserve for God to love you. You don't. I don't. But God does. And that's why he sent Jesus. And so Paul, he's going to spend the rest of his life serving Jesus, and it's not going to be easy. Young person, when you come to Jesus... It won't always be easy. I'm not going to say you're going to have a perfect life of health. You're not going to have a big house when you grow up, maybe. You might not have a good job. People might not like you. You know that, right? You know that coming to faith in God won't always make your life easy. In fact, it brings us into a battle. Jesus has already won this battle, but it brings us into the battle, and we're going to fight it along with Jesus 
until we go to be with him. And so we become steadfast. There's a video I want to show you. It's from my favorite uh, book series, my favorite um, movie series. It's called The Lord of the Rings. How many of you have seen it? All right. How many of you wish you could see it, but your parents haven't allowed you yet? Yeah, I know. I was that way too when I was your age. All right. It's a great movie. Sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you. The good guys win in the end. Okay. All right. And there comes a point in this movie, all right, and we don't know if good is going to win over evil. And the evil forces are way greater than the army of the good guys, okay? And the good guys, they like, we got to fight this battle because if we don't fight, we're going to lose and it's all going to be lost. And all of our family and all our friends and all our people are going to be destroyed. So we have to stand up and we have to fight, but they're afraid because they see the army coming and their king. Well, I'm just going to let you watch this video, but the king is going to come inspire them to be steadfast. All right, Noah, let's see this video. I know. I know. It's that's all right. You'll have to you'll have to go go home and watch Lord of the Rings when you're when you get home from camp. Shh. Man, if that speech doesn't make you want to chop off the head of an orc, I don't know what will. You know, right? But listen, the point of that that clip is is to show sometimes. Sometimes we don't want to fight. Sometimes we don't want to fight sin in our lives. It's just easier to give in to sin. It's just easier to run. It's easier to not be steadfast. It's easy to not, not believe what I believe. It's not easy to act out in what I believe. Okay? Because there's going to be people who don't like what you believe. You know that, right? Young men, you are the next generation. Some of you, some of you are going to be the next generation of Christians who are going to lead your families in the church. I know that's hard to think about. You're like, Pastor Tim, I'm just a kid. What are you talking about? It'll come faster than you know it. 
But right now is when you prepare for those moments. Right now is when you prepare for those moments. You prepare your heart to say, do I really know Jesus? Do I really love Jesus? Do I really participate in his victory so that when the time comes for me to fight the battle that I will need to fight for myself and for my family, I'm ready for it. I coach basketball at the public school in our town. It's called Mid Prairie. And uh, I'm the assistant coach. I coach the freshman team and I assist on the varsity. And one of the things I told my team over and over again in practice and say, listen, you can't wait to learn the things you need to learn until the game time comes. Like when that moment comes to hit that big shot, right? You can't say, all right, I'm ready now. I'm going to shoot that shot by just showing up on the day of the game and shooting that shot. You have to spend hours and hours and hours and time shooting shots to prepare yourself understanding the game, understanding where you're supposed to be at any given moment. You have to spend hours and hours because in the moment, when the moment of crisis comes, your failure or success will likely be predetermined by all the work you've put into it. Okay? Let me explain it this way. There was a game. The score was tied. The score was tied. And there was 10 seconds left. The other team had the ball. And their coach calls timeout. And we bring our guys over, and, and we coaches, we've seen, a, we, we've seen a thing or two, right? We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And one of the things we said to the guys, guys, of course you got to play good defense, okay? we got to get this stop, because if they score, it's game over, we lose. Okay, they're going to wait till the very end of the clock to shoot, and then it's going to be over. But the last thing we said to them is like, I know you guys are going to play good defense, and you're going to make them miss the shot. We know that, okay? We don't know, know it, but that's what we think. We think you're going to play good enough defense and they're going to miss the shot, but this is what you have to do. You have to box out. You have to block out so they can't get the rebound and put the shot back in. Okay, you basketball players know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That's the very last thing we said to them. And you think in that moment, okay, I just said it to them. They're going to remember this. The kid drives baseline. He pulls up a shot. It rims around the rim and falls out. And we're about to cheer because we are going to go into overtime. But one of their kids grabs the ball and heaves it at the last second, and it drops in for two points, and they win the game because our guys did not box out. See, it was one thing for us to say in the moment, all right, this is what you have to do. Go do it. But because they had not built up habits over the course of time, to do the things they needed to do. When the moment of crisis came, they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for it. Just like us here. We're all going to be faced with temptation. It's going to look in different forms. But it's going to come to you. And when that moment comes, oftentimes we don't get to rely on our own instincts in that moment. We have to rely on on the habits and the things we've learned And in those moments, that's how we're going to react. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why, young men, if if you know Jesus Christ, that's why God has given us a playbook, right? You're going to have devotions talking about being in God's word, okay? Cody's prepared some, some discussion questions for that, about being in God's word. That's going to train you to do the things you need to do. In that video we saw in Lord of the Rings, those those soldiers, right, they'd spent their whole life training for battle. 
so that when the moment came for the battle to come, they were ready for it. Yes, they were scared. Yes, they were scared, but when their enemy comes at them swinging a giant sword, they just know, I lift my shield and I swing, right? Because they've done that a million times. Young people, in order to be steadfast, you need to build the habits now. That's being in God's word. That's learning to interact with God through prayer. But you see, you see, you can't get this backwards. The Apostle Paul got this backwards for the first half of his life. He was in God's word all the time. He prayed all the time. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what they were known for. But because they did not have the power of the resurrected Lord, it meant nothing. It meant nothing. And so, young person, that's what I need to leave you with this week. Your journey starts with knowing who Jesus is. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you have not placed your trust in him as your Lord, your Savior, having him take your place, you're not a Christian. All the other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all because you're not in Christ. But if you have placed your trust in Christ, it should mean that you want to love him, right? It will mean that you want to love him. It will mean that you want to serve him. It will mean that you will want to fight his battles for him. But in order to do that, you're going to have to train up your minds. You're going to have to train up your bodies over your lives so that when the moment of battle comes, you will be steadfast. And that's things like the word of God, being in God's word, being in prayer, and being around other Christians who will point you to do the same. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you that he has risen from the dead, Lord. And he's already won the victory, God. So we can fight. We can fight knowing that we win if we are in Christ. Lord, and we don't fight like with real swords or guns. Lord, if your kingdom was of this world, then would your servants fight, you would say. God, but we wrestle spiritual warfare, and so we must use spiritual weapons. We fight a battle against sin in our lives, sin that would lead us astray. Lord, help us to fight that battle. Help these young men, Lord, as, as the temptations of life hit them throughout their years. God, would your spirit preserve them. Lord, and for the young people here who do not know you, of which, Lord, I'm confident there are many, would they understand who you are, God, the King, the Lord of the universe, who has died for their sins? And would they place their trust in you, as Lord, as Savior, as God. I ask this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.